I think it's a little soon, considering the national tragedy. What the hell are you talking about? Haven't you heard? You were found dead tonight. History will damn you for this. I am history. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we examine another facet of the Highlander franchise. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Is it? Yes, it is. Uh, Hello. All right. I'm like doing a voice. It checks out. Yeah. Eamon's doing his best Eamon impression. That's right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Keith scolded us last week because we weren't talking into the mic enough. So I'm going to project this episode. Sorry, guys. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk like this for the whole episode. Look at those levels. Those are good levels. Nice levels, baby. Anyway, behind the scenes. Guys, I just talk. leveled up. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Have you been doing some grinding in a dungeon? Oh, that yeah. sounds dirty. That's yeah. RPG talk, ladies that, and gentlemen. Yeah, that's Momorpica <laughs> jargon. <laughs> uh, so before we get into, I guess, the nitty-gritty of this episode, we have some very special people we'd like to thank. For those of you that might just be joining us, uh, not in this episode, at like... They fast-forwarded the, the a little bit. The 45-second yeah. part. Uh, but the Highlander Rewatch crew is heading to Lakeland, Florida this December for the 30th anniversary Highlander convention. We have a GoFundMe page that we've started to help us kind of fund our trip there because we all have to, you know, take off work, put in a lot of time to this endeavor, but we're really excited to make the trip. Um, so we've got a couple uh, people that made donations already, and we are so thankful. Uh, so Liz S., um, George T., and Jill S. all gave us uh, $30 individually. That's really awesome, I think. Totally righteous. You guys are the best. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much. That's very generous, mm-hmm. and we sure do appreciate it. Yeah, we put a lot of time into this, and, you know, I, I know everyone's budgets are tough. I know, you know, are tight, tough, tight, whatever. Yeah, they've just been, they, they've actually really toughened up because they've been so abused. Yeah. These uh, budgets have <laughs> been getting, getting kicked around. <laughs> they really toughened up. But I think it says a lot. I mean, you know, this is something we do that's available for free. So the fact that these people optionally gave us some money to help support it is really great. Uh, so we're very thankful. Uh, and everyone out there who wants to contribute in any way you can, uh, you can head over to our GoFundMe page. I believe it's GoFundMe.com slash The Rewatchers. I think that's the URL. Uh, either way, there's a link to it on our Facebook page. So you can find it there. Check it out. GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't meant to be so confrontational. Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah thank we you. sincerely appreciate it. So From we the also- bottom of our non-existent hearts. <laughs> uh, so other contributions made this week by our listeners. Reader mail. All right. Uh, our Ooh. second favorite kind of contribution. <laughs> That's right. After money. <laughs> <laughs> we had asked a question a couple weeks ago in regards to the episode Revenge is... Nope. Revenge is sweet. Revenge of the Sword ah. is sweet. Anyway, um, I think one of our listeners wrote in and asked if Immortals could be burned alive. Like right. an incinerator. Yeah. Like in... Specifically in this concept of like a crematorium, yeah. like oh, a massive actually, furnace, right. not just like was casual that, witch burning. Was that George S. who gave us money? Who wrote that in? 
It was Maybe. George. I think it was George or George T. George T. No. I think it was. Anyway, uh, so he asked this, I think, pretty great question if they can get burned alive. So we had some good responses. Joshua O. wrote, I'm going to say no. A severe burn would take longer to heal, but would eventually. Kind of like Wolverine's healing factor. By the way, still waiting for those spreadsheets from the last episode. Was <laughs> oh, that like the gold gold orb gold prices? Orb. <laughs> yeah, we're working on that. Yeah, hold I'm the bub. There. James M. writes, although it's never explicitly explained, I say no, because it was briefly mentioned in the show that they can still suffer from other things like sickness and starvation, even though it won't kill them. Plus, Connor works out into a huge gulf of fire in Highlander 2 after being restored, so... There you go. Uh, he actually shares the clip. You should check it out. Also, just along that line, doesn't Mad Marcus get burned? When? Remember, he goes through the whole speech. So we're flashing back to the episode, See No Evil? Oh, right. Does he get burned Burned at yeah. the stake? He's cra- like he's gone mad and is killing women because his an earlier love of his sold him out. And they burned me! As he, oh, as he yells right. several That's times. Right. But, like, I mean, I'm willing to say there's a categorical difference between putting someone in, like, a crematorium and just doing, like, a casual witch burning. Well, our thought was that all his, like, flesh gets burned off, so it's just the skeleton. And his, like, brain right? like, burned inside his skull. Yeah, like, I think a furnace would literally cook his insides out, whereas Mm. just being on a pyre, like, for a nice casual peasant burning, (laughs) I don't think would, would go that deep. Like, you'd be dead and cooked, but... You know, your brain might be well done, but it exists. Well, Scott B. has something to say about that. Wasn't there an episode where a friend, later enemy, of Duncan's was burned for being a warlock? Oh, I think this is it. That's it. He lived, and years later, he tried to drive Duncan to insanity, so he would lower his defenses so that his head could be taken. I think it was Shadows, Season 3, Episode 9. Okay, this so is there way are two ahead of where episodes, we are. but I think the Marcus thing is true too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, what I'm saying is definitely true. Yeah, but right. <laughs> this, but I'm assuming this is yet. also true. That's also true. Vince S writes: Wasn't Pitone uh, burned to death or just burned severely? I suppose they would live, but it would take time to heal, even after coming back. Yes, yeah, a little Molotov cocktail action. Compliments of Rishi Ryan. Yeah, I don't think he was burned to death. I think he was probably just burned. I'm still alive, just very badly burned. Yeah, Yeah. like Richie insulted him. He got a sick burnout. (laughs) Yeah, those, though, even immortals will never recover from a truly sick burn. So (laughs) I want to say, on a different Facebook page, someone answered this question. I don't think I printed the response, but I will paraphrase. And it was something that I thought was interesting because we didn't think about it in this term. Like, we, we thought about, like, the brain getting burned or, like, your, you know, spinal cord or whatever like being severed and severed or yeah all those sort of things um but we didn't really address like in this universe they kind of have souls and it was like well if the quickening isn't destroyed like that the quickening exists in them like there's like a they have a quickening and it's removed from them yeah i guess hmm. that that was the idea like, that there, there is this quickening. like That's that there's like this life force in the immortals which Midi- of course is released when they get their head chopped off but so like all does their fire destroy that so all their midi chlorians get burned away yeah that's no, that's a, you, you know, that's exactly it yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway i thought that was interesting so shall we get into this episode let's jinx, jinx. <laughs> yeah, you should do all your neither of us can talk for the rest of the episode <laughs> yeah until you buy me an ever-increasing amount of pepsis that's right. starting now 
You Send want Pepsi's, not Pepsi's. Coke? It was the Pepsi Jinx. There was no corresponding Coke Jinx, was there? I thought it was Jinx, buy me a Coke. Yeah. Oh, see, when I was growing up a couple of years after you, it was Pepsi <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> wow. Write us and in. And you count, and you, that was how many Pepsis. This is, this is a question of the week. Pepsi or Coke Jinx. Related jinxing. Things I knew, thought I knew, Kyle, about yeah. you. <laughs> your, the, your world is turning upside down. I wish it was Coke. I, I'm, I'm a Cokeman. Cokeman. I'm actually just a Coke brother. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, hold on. There's something else we have to do before we get into this episode, which is a quickening count. We meant oh, to do this nice. last, last week, but we forgot. Mm. Um, we didn't forget. We selectively edited it to this week. <laughs> I forgot. All I right, so we have, we have like not done a summary of quickenings that have happened in the second season yet. Because huh? there haven't been that there many. There haven't been many we, at all. We'd been kind of kicking the can, but now we've gotten some real action on this. So Right, so I'm going to go... Also, it's remarkable how few quickenings there are in this season. So I'm just going to go episode by episode. So episode one of this season, The Watchers, nothing. Mm. Studies in Light, nothing. Mm. Turnabout, there we go. We got one for Michael Moore. Uh, or Quentin, does that count as two? It's Quint- me, Quentin Barnes. Um, then we have one in the darkness, uh, Palin Wolf. Uh, but that counts as two because Palin Wolf killed... The immortal librarian or children's author, the immortal children's author, James. No, he wasn't immortal, though. He was immortal. He was a regular dude. Yeah. Palin Wolf was not immortal. Palin Wolf wouldn't have received that children's books author's quickening. Oh, that's right. He was just a guy. So that doesn't You're count. Wrong. So I really screwed this up. <laughs> yep. Yes, this you did. I totally forgot. So hold this on. This was a two. game. I'm updating numbers. Hold on. We're almost there. There Boo. we go. Did the old calculations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Do, do you need a calculator? <laughs> Yikes. All right. Minus so. one. <laughs> yeah. Minus two, actually. Oh, right. All right. Uh, episode five, an eye for an eye. Nothing, right? Which one was that again? Uh, uh, so an eye for an eye is the uh, episode with Sheena Easton. Oh, so that's no right. immortal death in that no episode. No there, no. Then we got episode six, The Zone, no, no action. No, yeah. Literally uh, no action. Yeah. <laughs> no, no nothing. The, wow. ret- the Return of Amanda. Nope. Nothing. Mm. Revenge of the Sword. Nope. Nothing. Run for Your Life. Nothing. Nope. Uh, then we get Epitaph for Tommy. Oh, oh, yeah. Plus one for Rowdy Ooh, Roddy, Roddy Piper. Piper. Ooh, that was a good one, too. That was yeah. a nice, a particularly good quickening. That yeah. was a good quickening. Right at the A point. nice, what's that guy? Uh, oh, uh, that's um, Lucius Malfoy. Lucius Malfoy. A good quickening. Oh, fashion. Yeah. Quickening. That's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we get uh, episode number 11, The Fighter. That had one quickening with Tommy <laughs> Sully Sullivan. Right. That was good. Yeah, another another quality episode. Under mm-hmm. color of authority, yep. Rich, ex- Richie. Richie, our very first Richie kill. Ooh, we can have a. Do we need a parallel count for the? Oh yeah, for, for Richie, the Richie. So count. one, one. <laughs> mm. uh, bless the child. Bless zero. <laughs> bless this. That was child. a negative. That's a negative one quickening. Yeah, he All actually right. gave uh. some of his power to that bear accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> then we have unholy alliance part one. One, one, one quickening, which was. Um, the French guy in the beginning. We don't see it, but it's presumed that Duncan won. Oh, yes. right. Yeah. The, what was the, his name? The um, Knight. The Knight. Yeah, right. I forget his name. Unimportant. Unimportant. Right. Yeah. And then we've got Unholy Alliance Part 2. There's uh, one for Xavier McLeod. And then Xavier's- two uh, because Xavier kills two people we see in the beginning of the episode. He kills John Arbuckle and the lawyer man. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so that counts as three. I think we're also going to in the future have to ratchet that count up for Roland Gift. But we don't have confirmed. We don't have confirmation so this on is, that. this is yet. all this list is. Con- yeah. Confirmed, confirmed kills. Mm. 
Also, you called him Xavier McLeod. You did. Did I also, really? <laughs> it, it just occurred to me, why is he Xavier St. Cloud when there's already a Cloud character? Because they don't know how to name people in this show. <laughs> there's They're a bunch constantly... of repeat yes. names in these next batch of episodes. Yes. I'm like, are you kidding me? They just have a wheel that they spin. <laughs> He's an, all right, we got another, we got another the name John. wheel. Here's another Victor. Uh, and then finally, last week's episode, episode 16, The Vampire. Uh, one, oh, got, one for Nikki Ward. Bags Nikki Ward. Yeah. Blah, blah. The grand total so far for season two is six. Wow. So he's gotten six quickenings. Six quickenings out of 16 episodes. Whoa. Uh, and half of and those then, are from like one episode. And then uh, yeah. nine quickenings are indirect. Interesting. Or no, excuse me. Nine quickenings total for season two, including the indirect, indirect ones. ones. Yeah. So season one and season two total is 23 Three. quickenings. Say what? <laughs> Not so. a lot of quickenings no. for a show that created quickenings. Two scoops of quickenings <laughs> in every in every season. It's not Raisin Bran. It should be. It's not. I like a good Raisin Bran. Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All so right. Uh, on to episode 17. The Monger of War. Yep. The War Monger. You have cheese mongers. Fish mongers. Fish mongers. Rumor mongers. Ooh. Whore mongers. Mm. And then this episode. War. Warmonger. I was just mispronouncing warmonger when I said warmonger. Never mind. <laughs> uh, this episode first aired March 15th. Nope, March 14th, 1994. It was directed by Bruno Gantillon. He's a French director, and this is his only Highlander episode. He directed lots of French stuff. Lots of French stuff. Yeah. yeah. Stuff I don't know anything about. So Me either. No comment. It exists. Yep. That's right. Uh, this episode was written by Christian Bouveron. 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 Uh, and also Lawrence Shore. Uh, I guess they're writing partners. So this yeah. is their like third episode. Uh, they also did The Darkness. Do you think he wrote all the sequels, too, to The Darkness? No, Probably. No, we authored those. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Shore gets a credit, though, like Greg Wyden gets a credit on all these episodes. <laughs> Also, Lawrence Shore, we haven't talked about him in a while. He is the Hanukkah Hoops guy. That's right. The yes. Hanukkah Hoops colon a shot in the light. Which is coming out in what, 2017 they or keep 2018? Pushing, I think it's like 2018 now because mm. I can't wait to see this movie, guys. You can't well, wait. Well, like the oil lasted on Hanukkah, <laughs> <laughs> the shooting for this movie just won't quit. For those of you that don't know, uh, here's the description. This is an 88-minute documentary film. I like that it does not have a release date at all, but it's 88 minutes. <laughs> like they know it is positive and uplifting Ooh. and exudes the importance of teamwork collaboration working towards a common goal the importance of being a comedic levity film this is literally this is, <laughs> it says the working towards a common goal collaboration teamwork the importance of being a comedic levity film. <laughs> this is like a real meta portion of this um well also parentheses, that is also a self-deprecating look but optimistic and hopeful that is Quote something that transcends transcends its Jewish name. This is so complex. This is hard to read. This is directly taken from their page. It's where, also, does, where do the hoops fit in? Yeah, or the Hanukkah. <laughs> is there any basketball in this movie, or is somebody wearing earrings? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually just about hula hoops. Yeah, <laughs> it's about making friendships, cross religion, cross culture, cross age groups through the global sport of basketball during hmm. the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. I see. They got CrossFit in there, too. Oh, and the tagline of the movie is, there's magic in the ball. All right. But and then there's a second, like, no. they is have it a just logo. The, it's just the ball from Space Jam. <laughs> there, there's, they have a logo. It's like a blue basketball thing. And under it, it says, 
from way downtown. Dot, dot, dot. Shalom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the episode description for Warmonger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. We've, we've been talking about this, this movie for like a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> we also have not talked about this episode at all yet. <laughs> uh, this episode guest stars Peter Firth as Drakoff. He was in the 1985 horror movie, kind of horror movie, Life Force. Oh. You should check it out. It's terrible. It is like a space vampire movie. Oh, is this the one where like they eventually come down and like try to take over London? Yeah. Oh, shit. Bad movie. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It also stars Angeline Ball as Elizabeth Vaughn. She's She's on a lot of British TV. super familiar looking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she got her start in, what's it called? The Commitments? Mm. That's the first time I remember seeing her. She was in a lot of EastEnders, yeah. and I guess she's also in the original BBC Shameless TV show, mm. which is now, I forget, is it on like Showtime or something with yeah. William H. Mitch Macy? Macy. Yeah. yeah. Episode description, yes. security advisor, immortal, Arthur Drake, kills his president just before the signing of a peace treaty. Journalist Beth Vaughn is suspicious of Drake's claim that a sex partner did the murder. <laughs> a sex partner did the murder. Duncan keeps Eli from shooting Drake at the ballet. Who's Who? Eli? <laughs> <laughs> and Eli tells <laughs> and Eli tells Duncan how Drake killed his family. Between Eli and nice Beth, family. Oh boy! Between Eli and <laughs> Beth, Duncan is drawn into taking Drake down. All right. Period. Period. That's All it. All right. Wow. Yikes. You never disappoint. IMDb. Never. Movie description. <laughs> All right, so let's start this episode. <laughs> so this this After episode hour. this episode starts with some sexy time. Yeah, there's the- a scantily clad woman in a bed, and she's about to like she get says, down to business with Bookman from Seinfeld. This yeah, guy looks- <laughs> he looks like the the like DA from Law and Order, like the Southern DA guy who's dead now. I forget his name. The one who was in the U.S. Senate. Yeah. He looks like him, Fred Thompson. Fred Thompson. Fred Thompson. Yeah, he, he looks like Fred Thompson. And he talks like this. He's also a Republican. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're about to get down to, you know, the well, good stuff. Well, she's like in lingerie on this yeah. bed, and they're like drinking champagne. He's fully clothed. And he's like, what did I do to deserve this present? Which is gross. <laughs> Very. Yeah. <laughs> but he is on the cusp of signing a major peace treaty, apparently. And the person we will come to find out is Drake, the security person. Yeah. Busts up in the house and is like, why are you going to sign this treaty? Uh, like, so trip. he like kicks the woman out, and I guess he's not too keen on this peace treaty thing. So he like puts a silencer on a gun. Oh, my favorite trope in anything ever. It's like, hey, we need to have a murder. Silencers are magic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he shoots the president. Like, it makes it makes a gun sound like little like stealth farts. <laughs> like that's a pew. Like I guess like who's the is this like a James Bond thing? Is it their fault? Oh, who started this trope? Yeah, of I'm silencers even... on guns being like oh, by the way, you can turn something that's like very distinguishable from blocks away and like make it sound like a mouse scutter like scurrying across your floor. Oh, that was a good sentence. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember some of the, the older James Bond movies. He didn't use a silencer, did he? No. I mean, he just had that little gun. Yeah. It was a cute little gun. Yeah. I, I don't think James Bond uses much silencers. Maybe the goons do. But I don't know who's the first like big silencer person. Let us know. Who do you think contributed to the silencer boom in Hollywood? <laughs> the silencer boom. <laughs> uh, so... This is the clip we played at the top of the episode. So he shoots the president, and then I guess the prostitute woman comes back in. 
Yeah, he like... Oh, can we talk about the series of one-liners that this conversation plays out in? This guy just being like, I'm the president. (laughs) And Drake is like, oh, we can't call her back in because it'll be too soon after the tragedy. Haven't you heard you were just found dead? (laughs) (laughs) And then he says something. He's like, I am history. Yeah, then he calls himself history. And it's like, what the fuck is this about? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the president says history will damn you for this. And then Drake or Drakov says, I am history. I guess because he's immortal. Right. Then he plugs him. And then the, with weird. mouse farts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, he's dead. The, the hooker comes back in. The hooker. Why don't we establish that she's not a, a hooker necessarily? Yeah, I think so. How do we know this? They mention it later that Drake is the one who hires women for the president. I believe no. Beth Vaughn mentions that. Like, oh, you're his, like, love connection. Oh, I yeah. missed that entirely. Yeah. Well, she calls him his pimp. The president's pimp. Yeah. That could, I so I, I think this is I think this is supposed to be a prostitute. Not fair <laughs> enough. I mean, also I think that makes sense that like he hired this strange woman to be framed for the murder. That so, makes sense. So yeah, anyway, also he is a yeah. gross old man and she is a lovely woman. So yeah, yeah. there's also that. <laughs> uh, so he makes the the woman pick up the gun. Then he pulls out another gun. Does this second gun have a silencer? Mm. No, right? No, I don't. I don't remember. Maybe. Maybe not. So. <sighs> So then he shoots her. But I get, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Why not? Why doesn't it make sense? Because, like, what if there was a witness and they only heard one shot, but two people are dead? Well, they would would only hear one shot because she's the silencer. She's the silencer. That's right. So, thinking. (laughs) That's using the old brain bone. Uh, So, anyway, that's, I guess, the thing that sets all the action off in this episode. Then we have a really awkward cut to the opera house, which we've been to before, which is good. Uh, it's like this weird shot of the ceiling, and then a pan, like the whole screen pans It's actually up. just a frying pan. It's like a just weird, a giant yeah. walk. <laughs> is this a shot reused from The Beast Below? Oh, I think it is. I bet yeah. that's why they had to do the pan, because eventually that shot pans down to show that terrible musical yeah. number. <laughs> Guys, oh, ever since he's... the beginning of time. <laughs> we talk of love as if nothing ever changes, but I... I wonder, I wonder why. Why, why is mm. that? Well, <laughs> if, only a, if only had a handy rhyme <laughs> to remind me of increments of time, uh, other than the one I just inadvertently made. <laughs> Wait, why would he need the silencer at all? That was my point. Maybe, are there other security guards out there that would have maybe come running in early? He needs to buy enough time to get her fingerprints on the murder weapon. There we go. That's it. Got it. All right. It's all checking out now. Word up. Track off this, plan. This scheme is foolproof. <laughs> now, can we go through This all... isn't a treaty. It's a surrender. <laughs> can we go through all the days in a week and in a month and in a year now? We're not yeah, the now black... I think we're in the part of the podcast where we <laughs> yeah. did th- that. What were the black eyed peas? Okay. So this woman, Beth Vaughn, right? Yeah. Yep. Beth Vaughn. She's at the opera house trying to get tickets, I guess. But yeah. I don't think she really has them anyway. I think she's just trying to talk her way in. I, I think she's just smooching. Yeah. Schmoozing. Because yeah, she's... she's Randy McFarlane Again. 3.0. Yeah. yeah. 3.0. Yep. Yeah. Boy. So she gets turned away. Then Mac shows up with his turtleneck and like blue or purple oh. coat. Looking yeah. like the suave so gentleman. Turtleneck and chain, turtleneck and chain. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he's got extra tickets or something. And, and he he's like, offers you... her one. Yeah. Like they bump into each other and she drops her tape recorder. So I guess we're supposed to put it together that she's a reporter or right. something. And he's like, which oh, my put, friend. Which we put together about two seconds later when she's grilling. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
So Duncan's like, oh, yeah, my friend canceled. Who? I was curious. Who do you think the friend was that he was going to come with? Maurice? Just Maurice. You think Maurice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a nice, well, he can't have mandates with Charlie anymore, so he's got a Maurice mandate. I guess so. He's got a mandate but for But he mandate seems to know everybody Maurice. in Paris. Like, <laughs> he knows the music producer, his daughter. Oh, right. Like, he's got a whole network we never knew about. All his friends in Paris wind up dead, so. <laughs> Everyone Mac knows, period, winds up dead. Mac yeah. is like a death sentence. Maybe yeah. Tess didn't like his Paris friends. That's why we never saw them. <laughs> now that she's out of the picture. picture he, he can hang with the old crew and go to the opera, do those crazy things that she wouldn't let them do together. Yeah, uh, all this opera craziness. <laughs> Although technically he was seeing a ballet. Oh, that's right. It's the ballet. Sorry. Or, excuse me, the ballet. Ba- ba- how do they say are it? We, are we still are we still mispronouncing things? Yes. Is that still our yes. thing right now? Yeah, they Xavier. <laughs> Xavier. And ballet. 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 I think it's ballet. It. Ballet? Ballet. Ballet that. <laughs> we ballet that order. All right. All right. <laughs> Moving on. So Mac gets himself a sweet buzz. Sweet, sweet buzz. And in comes Drakoff. Right. That's right. And it's apparently, I guess, Vaughn is there to see him, really. That was the, I guess, ticket she was trying to get into his box. Yeah. So she starts grilling him about the death of the president. Isn't it weird that you're his security advisor and he's dead and yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. So uh, And they really kind of, like, manhandle her. Like, his goons are... Yeah, they just, like, shove her away. Or they grab her and, like, yeah, it's lead rough. her out. Yeah. They never say what country... Drakov is from uh-huh. or what country this president is from he's from vague former soviet satellite state i think yeah but like they're in paris your president was just murdered i'm gonna go to the ballet that doesn't like seem the like next day presumably yeah like, i imagine he would have a lot to do right yeah like wouldn't he have to hightail it back to his home country like the assassins win if you don't go about business as usual. <laughs> that's true no i i had a whole lot of questions like i was trying to imagine what the name of the country was because it's got to be something kind of like seacouver like it's got to be like generistan <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly yeah like Ro- romania romania check or something like that <laughs> like like some mishmash of names uh also i'd like to point the out enclave of the bear so when this guy died in the beginning i was like oh is he the french president because he that's what i thought he has a french accent i was like well maybe he's belgium or something like so he's french his security advisor is british then he's being questioned by drake's british isn't he no he's russian or something his accent is so weird so vaguely russian it's so vaguely british his accent is I think you're just aware of like any person who doesn't speak exactly the way you do. No, man, yeah. this this Southern American has a weird British accent. Everyone has no, his British accent's British. I thought Hi. it was British. Yeah. Well, listen, we'll hear another clip and we'll determine that. All later. right. Well, but his name's we'll Drakov, it. so it's it like it seemed like he yeah. was from a different country, and it's like okay, fine. And then there's this reporter who speaks with an American accent that works for the European. What was it? The European Tribune. Yeah. Who the actress is. Irish. <laughs> like, she was putting on an American accent to play a European... Rep- I was just like, what the levels of, like, nationality in this scene are really comp- like, way too complicated. I don't think that guy had a French accent. I just don't. The president? The president? Yeah, I do. That's how no, I read it. that was not a French accent. They were in France. He was like, I am so the president. When- <laughs> that is not at all what he sounded like. When in like. Rome. That's what you do. He was wearing a striped shirt. He had a baguette. <laughs> Sorry, French <laughs> listeners. And actually, Keith, she works for the European Observer. That's it. 
Yeah, not that trash, the European <laughs> Tribune. <laughs> yeah. That rag. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of accents going on in the scene. Also, yeah. she informs him of his breakfast. Yes. Yeah. She's got, like, magical spies somehow that will, like, tell him about his baguettes. And <laughs> yet she doesn't know anything about this case. So they drag her away. And then there is a kind of mysterious older gentleman on the stairs near yeah. Mac. And he's got a trench coat. And he pulls out, a, like, a revolver. And he's going to shoot Drake. And, and Mac, like, bats his hand away before Drake can see the gun. So it looks like this guy has a pass with Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drake asks him about his family. He's like, how's your family been? So presumably he did something to his family. And Drake remembers, which I found surprising. He's yeah. like a guy who kills a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and Drake and... Mac, Drac? Drake and Mac know each other as well. This is right. pointed out. Yeah. For you, it was the worst day of your life. For me, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> I was saying the same thing. That is famed actor Raul Julia in his last and worst role ever, M. Bison. He makes that movie watchable. Because yeah. it's so... His performance, he is working so hard in that piece of shit movie. That movie's so awful. Yeah, and he is hustling yeah <laughs> you came here expecting to find a man and instead you found a god <laughs> it's so his performance is amazing so drake goes off to the the ballet and i guess uh this guy we find out his name later is eli mm-hmm. um he tells mac he's like you know like i can see it in your eyes like why did you stop me like you know what that guy is yeah he's your enemy too and then i i started thinking i was like man like either you guys have an enemy like, he was like, he's your enemy. I know it. And it's like, who fucking has enemies? Kyle, do you have an enemy? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's like a boss thing to, it's like, if you were like, oh, yeah, that person's my enemy. It's like, shit, you're hard. Like, <laughs> I have an enemy, but they don't know they're my enemy. Really? Yeah. What but level if, of enemy? Like, if I, someone was trying to kill I, that person, would I, you be like, shrug, do it? <laughs> Maybe well, that's that's, di- that's a different question. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I I mean, you know, I just rival. have I just have somebody that I fucking hate. <laughs> and if, okay. when they are, they are they sitting at this table? <laughs> Is it one of us? <laughs> uh, eh. Jesus. <laughs> no, this is somebody I know from outside. I'm not going to reveal my secret. Though. Off air, I want to know all about this. Movie. Oh, I'll tell you. I fill fill you in. So Mac is done. He doesn't feel like going to the ballet anymore, uh, and he goes outside to meet with. Fawn, who was really getting roughed up. Yeah, now these yeah. guys are really attacking her. And Mac just, I don't know what he does to this guy's arm, but it is savage. This guy's going to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a little walk and talk, and they talk about, like, he's like, why are you interested in Drake? And a little she, West Wing action? Yeah. Walk and talk. <laughs> and so she reveals that, you know, she thinks something is fishy. And Drake, I guess she says, is, like, super powerful. She says he helped this guy get elected. Yeah. And I was just like, this guy is his security guard. Like his, like I. Didn't, I'm confused about what position he is. He security guard, or when they say security advisor, do they mean so, like national security? I think he's like a national security advisor. But like Vaughn is like, oh, he got killed on your watch. That made me think like, oh, well, he's like this head, yeah, of, secu- he like, head of the security uh, yeah. detail. Maybe oh. he's both. Maybe it's a local. Oh, oh, that's a good point. Doesn't yeah. make sense, but maybe he's both. Because <laughs> if he's like national security advisor, he's not. He has like, nothing to do with any of this stuff. I mean, like right. that's an excellent point. But he's also like saying, "Let me get intelligence on like these attacks to the vice president later." 
Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. And if he's like the head security guard, I'm just like, like, that's your position? Like, you're not like a top level cabinet member or something? Like, you help this guy get elected and you're the security guard. He's also existing in a coercive political system that obviously functions on the basis of like brute strength and assassination. So, you know, it kind of doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Also that they're just referring to this peace treaty. Like, we don't know what country they're with or what country like the peace treaty is being signed with. Do you think this is what, uh, what was his name? Um, Darius's protege. Grayson? No, the other uh, the one he was Victor trying to Paulus? kill. Victor, Victor Paulus. Do you think this is all part of the same thing? That would be something. This is a great Highlander conspiracy theory yeah. putting yeah. together. Hey, guys, you want to write some sweet fan fiction about the <laughs> geopolitical strike <laughs> in the Highlander universe? Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> Mac is very tangentially in it. <laughs> Victor Paulus, finger on the pulse of war. <laughs> god damn it uh so guys they this get... might be our worst episode <laughs> <laughs> they get to vaughn's apartment or wherever she's staying uh and she like instantly invites mac up like they yeah. have just met and she's like you want to come up and like because that seems to be her mo that's this is like her plot arc yeah through the episode like it starts here like duncan you want to get down to business it spoiler alert this episode ends with her like are we finally going to do it and duncan's like shrug i guess (laughs) i I have more to say about that at the end of the episode (laughs) but i think she just wants to try to grill him for more information about drake yeah also he did literally just save her life i mean yeah i can understand why she'd be a little smitten with him she just broke a vaguely russian man's arm for her yeah and he's very handsome very handsome. Mm. So, like you said, this is the new Randy McFarlane yeah. again. Why, why is this coming up? Like, is there some producer that's into this idea or one of the foreign backers? Like, was it like Japan that was like, oh, that was like, we like that. Or Germany was like, we like that. And like, mm. they keep trying to force us back. There's so much, there's so much like a mystery procedural kind of aspect to this show that permeates it. But Mac is not a cop and he's also not like a conventional investigator of any kind. So I feel like they feel the need when they want to have these investigative elements to insert characters who have a reason to be doing investigations. But they never do investigating. Like, Mac's still the one who gets the clues. Because he's still the hero. That's the problem. Like, like there's no good teamwork. Like, that was with Delaney, too. Like, Delaney just t- followed him the whole time. Like, he did all the work. Yeah. It's just a bummer. Like, it should be team-ups. Like, that's at least fun. Highlander, the brave and the bold. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Matt gets ambushed later by Eli. Uh, he wants his gun back. Uh, so then we go back to Eli's apartment, and he gives him, the, I guess, the rundown of why he's trying to kill Drake. Once again, Mac's moral center is really bothering me here. This man got good reasons. I'm not going to say, like, he's not Well, let's talk about up. those reasons first. Yeah. Okay, so we come to find out that Drake was, like, head of secret police in, like, Romania during the Soviet dominance of that country, Drake arranged to have his family killed in a particularly brutal way. Yeah, and he, like, hung them outside this guy's store. Yeah, he was, like, a member of a resistance and wouldn't give up his comrades. Right. They so, also this say, guy's awful. Yeah. They also say he was involved in Africa, Bosnia, and Armenia. Yeah, this guy's been around. So, also, I guess Eli has, like, photo evidence of Drake. Like, he has, like, old black and white photos, like, because he has a, I think there's a kind of an interesting, cool discussion. He's like, do you believe in evil? Like, he seems to think, like, Drake is the embodiment of evil. That's why he is, like, this specter that's in all these photos from history. Hmm. Which I thought was kind of like a, I felt like that could have been a neat episode unto itself. Like, that sort of idea. 
don't know. It felt like very X Filesy. Yeah, and it, like, he walks into an X Files the apartment with like pictures connected with strings. Like this is a crazy man's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like my weird conspiracy theory. Like, hey, I heard the Illuminati and the Girl Scouts teamed up to assassinate Antonin Scalia. What do you think? <laughs> like, that is what this looks like. <laughs> what if he had like a crazy theory that Drake was immortal, but like nobody believed him, but like we know that. It That'd was be true. Fun. Totally that true. Been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so does Mac, but he has to be like, nah. Yeah. Mm. Nah, son. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kyle, tell us about this moral territory we've trudged our way into here. So, this is not to say that Drake is not a good guy, is, is not a terrible person who might, may or may not have in common, but this guy's an assassin. Like, he is trying to assassinate a person. He doesn't know that Drake will survive. He is trying to murder him. Mm-hmm. And Mac is just like, hey, we're buds, man. We're in this together. I feel you, brother. <laughs> like that's, and it's just like, really? Like, what is your moral compass on this in any way, shape, or form? Because Max seems very much so on this guy's side. It's well, Max, Max kind of like for the bad guy getting brought to justice. When a bad guy kills people, Max usually like, all right, I'm going to step up and put a stop to you. So even though Eli is an assassin, I don't know. And to me, there's also another aspect to this because it's like a political figure. He's clearly the power broker of this generic war-torn country. Right. This is like a fundamentally political act. It's not just like stopping a criminal. Right. It's like, hey, do you want to destabilize the government of this country with me? Hmm. That's true. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get into it. Like, I don't know. It's more complicated than they treat it. Yeah. And it's just considered like, oh, I'm, I'm on your team, assassin man. Political intrigue. So Matt goes downstairs, and these two goons are waiting. There's like Why? one like diehard-looking goon. There? And the other one looks like, like they're, Skeletor. They're, they're going after Eli. Why, though? I Drake get... probably recognized him and was like, see what this guy's up to? I don't know. Yeah, I think he was just like, this guy's going to cause trouble. Get rid of him. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So Mac, like, pokes the one guy in the eyes. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, and the one goon... The like, guy, guy is a switchblade, right? Yeah. But, yeah. like, the one guy seems like an elderly man to me. Yeah. Like, he seems very old yeah. and frail. He looks and like Mac, like, kicks the shit Dick out of Dick Tracy him. villain or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looks like... He's like the human version of Skeletor. Yeah. The overlord of evil. <laughs> What's the famous Skeletor quote? Tell me, oh. he, man. Is the loneliness of good as lonely as the loneliness of evil? Mm. Frank, is that Frank Langella? Yes. yes, it is. Oh, man. Yeah. Another person who's killing it in a shit movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mesh of the Universe, even in the scheme of, like, bad movies, mm, it's okay, I guess. Like, wouldn't go nuts about it. But Frank Langella's performance is totally worth it. Yeah. So, guys, we are going to the 30th anniversary Highlander Gathering in December. I'm really excited about it. I don't know what you guys... What are you, what are you guys most excited about seeing at this convention? I'm really excited about possibly seeing and or meeting uh, Christopher Lambert. A wild Lambert sighting. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that when you see a Lambert, you have to, like, stand up on both legs and <laughs> like, look really tall. <laughs> like, if you're wearing a coat, spread it out. <laughs> spread it out so you look huge. Yeah. Yeah, that, oh, that's that really going to be puns. a treat because uh, yeah. he doesn't come stateside too often. Yeah. Uh, especially at a Highlander convention or yeah. anything like this. So I think, yeah, I'm really excited to hopefully get to talk to him and shake his hand. Yeah. And also meeting listeners of ours, possibly. That is also very exciting to me. Totally. Yeah, if you're going to be there, come up to us. We're great. Yeah. <laughs> only aim and bites. Yeah, only me. Yep. <laughs> I'll be wearing a. Um, muzzle very good at the show i'm also like really excited the cat. Yeah. i'm really excited uh adrian paul is going to be doing two sword experiences oh, so wow. i think we're going to be participating in some of the action there 
Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, everyone should go uh, get tickets for the sword experience that Adrian's putting on. Um, a lot of our listeners have already participated in them, and they've the feedback has only been stellar. Yeah, um, like some people have participated in multiple ones. Yeah. And say it's great plus there's gonna be all sorts of other uh great guests and friends of the show uh we've got uh david abramowitz is gonna be there which is really great i'm excited to see him in person and talk to him a little bit more um john mosby is gonna be the mc uh you heard him on our show talking about his new book fearful symmetry the essential guide to all things highlander everyone should pick up a copy of that today um, Elizabeth Grayson is also going to be doing a class there. Uh, she's going to be doing a fan class, like a fan dance class. Wow. Yeah. Like Uhuru style? Yeah. Yeah. Took me a minute. Yeah. Star Trek. Star Trek. Get on uh, my level. Get on my level. <laughs> It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah come check fun. us Producer out. Producer Ken Gord's going to be there. Uh, there's also going to be some screenings of some Highlander fan films. F. Ron McAsh is going to be doing a knife uh, combat class, which is going to be really cool and definitely a cool companion piece to the Adrian Paul sword experience. Um, so, <laughs> Sword experience versus knife experience. Yeah. <laughs> knife happenstance. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, head on over to LashConEvents.com. That's L-A-S-H-C-O-N Events.com and pick up your tickets today. Uh, it's going to be December 3rd and 4th in Lakeland, Florida. That's just a few minutes outside of beautiful downtown Orlando. Check it out. So we cut to the next day, and Mac is doing some sort of study in his barge. He's like looking very closely at a like a marble horse statue. Yeah. Taking a- <laughs> <laughs> He's taking notes, and he also has, like, an insane amount of food in front of him. Yeah, he's got he has, a like, a whole breakfast. French press of yeah. coffee, a basket of bread. Oh, he finally made coffee. Yeah. He yeah. did it. <laughs> uh, and a big jar of marmalade. Uh, he's got a lot going on right now. Or is this that bear jam? <laughs> bear jam. Bear jam. <laughs> it goes great with trout. Yeah. Also good with trout. Uh, so, Beth Vaughn. She just barges into his barge, like... <laughs> Bust up she in just, the barge. Yeah. She just walks in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Everybody Don't just walks knock in. Knock or anything? No. Yeah. Everyone in this universe is Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> so Mac is like, how did you find me? And so then the writers are like, we're lazy. So all she just says is, I'm a reporter. And it's like, okay. But what does he say to her? He says, you want some coffee? <laughs> you want some coffee? I love some coffee. Yeah. Uh, so then she starts asking the hard-hitting question. She's like, where did you go to elementary school? What was your mother's maiden name? I can be a real pain in the ass, man. And it's yeah. Like, oh, okay. okay. It's like, yeah, you are being a real pain in the ass because you're just asking a bunch of annoying questions. Yeah. And you're blackmailing me. <laughs> kind of, Is he? She's, she's threatening him. She's so like, like, if you don't into his life, if, if you don't tell me about Drake, I'm going to dig up shit with you because you have this long record with the cops and all these unanswered questions. Yeah, I suppose that's true. All right. Yeah. So she also reveals one of her like the driving reason she wants. This to, is insane. This, this is straight. <laughs> yeah. So she gets invited to dinner with Drake. Every time I say with Drake, I just think of the the, the like, singer, the singer. Yeah, Hotline bling <laughs> uh so she's gonna go with to dinner with drake she invites mac to come along i guess drake invited mac as well and he's like no and he's like you shouldn't go either and she's like i have to go and then she says stalin's gone chairman mao is gone saddam hussein is not giving interviews i would be crazy to pass up this opportunity and it's like how powerful like you yeah. just named three of the like single most like tyrannical dictators of the 20th century and you're like oh and drake like <laughs> this guy 
I don't know. Wherever he's from, Parmistan, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Did you choose that after Parmesan cheese? Is that what you meant? <laughs> kind of. It's uh, uh, everyone should see the movie Jim Cotta, uh, which which also <laughs> Parmistan, which, which features a very strange Eastern European country. Oh, that called, part's awesome. Called Parmistan. <laughs> That's the best part of that movie. The rest of the movie sucks. Anyway, <laughs> that's what's going on here. So Drake is like I to- up there. I, I totally bought it. Yeah? I like. I didn't even pause to think about like the size of the relative countries. It's like if you have a chance to sit down with like a effectively a dictator, you take it as a reporter. Sure. That I guess, that I guess yeah. this whole time I've been wondering, like again, what his position is. Because in the beginning, I'm like, he's a security guard. All that yeah. matters is he's like the power behind the throne. And that's like always been his shtick. The that's man behind the man. He's like... He's like the KGB guy. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. The KGB bull guy? Never what mind. Well, that, was, that, was, that, that was sloppy bad. effort. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Matt goes on top of the barge to chop some wood because he needs to chop wood so we, so we can transition. <laughs> yeah. Which I liked this transition, but it was very confusing. He really needs some wood like this second. Right. <laughs> yeah. We've never seen him chop wood on the barge before. I, I guess need, there's like a wood-powered barge. I don't know. He's got a, he's a, a fireplace, fireplace yeah. on a oh, yeah. sweet barge. So it's a transition to Moscow, the like of uh, the woods outside of Moscow in 1919. Uh, it's got some like fun Russian music. I kind of like the vibe of this. Duncan looks like great in his like the costuming's awesome, yeah. and he's with like a giant Russian bear man. For, <laughs> yeah, which Ivan. isn't fully explored, but nope. he's great. He has <laughs> yeah. a lot of color to this scene. Yeah. <laughs> so Max's friend Katrina shows up and. I think you get the impression that they're lovers. Yeah. I think they're... There's some I, insinuations. Yeah. I can like, say oh. the Watcher Chronicles confirm. She had like a family. Yeah, she's got like two yeah. kids. Oh, so Max just like moving in on a... I think so. A widow. <laughs> a widow. He's pulling that Richie Ryan maneuver. Yeah. Hey, are you in distress? Well, she says like, oh, you're going to be hungry tonight. Like kind of, su- I thought, suggestively. Yeah. Oh boy! <laughs> oh my! That's how he I. Re- Duncan's got more on his mind than just yeah. borscht. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Duncan often has borscht on his mind. <laughs> With so, my mind on my borscht and my borscht on my mind. <laughs> so Mac, uh, he's like, I never get tired, and she's like, except of politics. It's like, okay, like they, they, they I feel like they go out of their way to make. Oh, this is weird. Like, Mac is like a political, like someone with political opinions, I feel is like he? is often odd. I don't know. I feel like they, they don't want to align him too much with certain political movements, especially this one. I mean, with the Bolsheviks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They don't want to align him too much with the communist uprising. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so then well, a car- Mac's generally a pretty apolitical person in this whole thing. I kind think- of, except like when he's like fighting the British in random time periods and the French, like. He seems to be fighting around in, like, the Napoleonic Wars. There's some, like, odd choices, I think. Like, what side he fights for sometimes. Yeah. He's in Russia during... Well, I guess that would be shortly after this, right? When In the Sea Witch episode? Not shortly after. He's, like, in the lead-up to yeah. World War II at that point, right? Right. I don't know. This is why I, like, want to really, like, examine the timeline of flashbacks. Because I don't think they add up. Like, <laughs> I can I, almost guarantee they don't. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just, like, ha- like I don't think he could physically get back and forth to all these places in the times that, like, they're putting him. Well, at least, like, by the time this these 
levels of flashbacks are happening. There's like coal power and shit. <laughs> like, yeah, he he could get across the world like relatively sharpish. Sure, <laughs> you know he's not like oh man, it's gonna take me three years to get to China. Like, right. <laughs> uh, so this car pulls up and all these Russian troops get out and they arrest Katrina. They have a warrant for the arrest of Katrina and her whole family issued by Drake or Drakov. Comrade Drakov. And uh, Mac gets beaten up. Yep. They get taken away. And then we cut to Drakov's office. And I guess Mac busts up in there, like choking some Russian soldier with like a gun. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Also, once again, Mac's costuming here is awesome. Yeah. So I'm way into it. Like he's like got this sweet old timey Russian peasant garb on and it's not peasant, but like it's rustic. It's yeah. great. Uh, and even Drakov's like outfit is like he's got this like cool Weird Russian leather, like, leather thing going trench coat on. thing and he looks like a villain in Indiana Jones yeah. or something like that. <laughs> uh so Matt comes in and Drakov this is the first is time they meet counting his diamonds. Right. <laughs> And he's uh, like, what's that, a gift from the proletariat? Also, my notes for some reason say he's literally counting diamonds as though metaphorically counting <laughs> diamonds <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> and I don't know why I wrote the word literally. He is literally counting diamonds like he is literally a communist. <laughs> it just is true. So in the beginning of this, we, we come to find out through this scene that the reason Drakoff is doing all of this is he just wants chaos. Because at first, I was like, why is he on this? Like, I, I would think he'd be fighting on, like, the side of the czars. Like, he doesn't seem like a champion of the communist proletariat cause. Yeah, well, let's even push on that for a second. Because why would you back... If the entire point is chaos, right? The Bolsheviks are the reason Russia exited World War One. Like, if your goal is chaos, what is more chaotic than a giant world war? And, like, why back the team that effectively changes, like, in some ways changes the outcome of that war? Right. I don't know. So, it's anyway, we end up finding out that he just wants chaos because he says that he can't rule because the scrutiny he'd be under? Yes, which makes a lot of sense. Right, yeah, he poses the question to Mac, why, why we are the most equipped to lead, why don't we? And Max, like, the public scrutiny, which that was a question we had before, like, with the sheriff or right. the, the police chief. Right. Like, why sh should an immortal be, like, in a position of power like this or not? Mm -hmm. I like a lot of what's going on here, actually. I think this is all kind of interesting. It's delivered in a little bit of, like, let me state the thesis. <laughs> right. Kind of, kind of a way, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, I do not understand this, like, chaos for chaos sake thing that he kind of puts forward. Well, I think he says that – I think that's part of his, like, weird shadow government thing. Like, when there's chaos and war, no one cares about who's lead. Like, he can rule with, like, an iron fist without question. So I think he's saying that, like, people will forget about – no one's going to notice? I don't <laughs> know. Is that what he's saying? I think that's kind of what he's getting at. I don't know. Yeah. There is something strange about his, like, desire to be in public. He seems to be fairly effectively able to rule behind the scenes. Yeah. And, like, I don't think it's, like, a foreign concept to people that there are power brokers in – the concept like in the context of whatever government especially like a shadowy soviet government yeah or it's just i guess when there's war and chaos that like the people behind the scenes have more power than they ever would before so yeah, that's just and, like, his way to rule, get more power rule by force yeah and like his whole bit about like they're convenient like why doesn't he just say they're rich like they're clearly rich yeah Bolsheviks kill rich people all the time <laughs> like right. just go with that but yeah they like really felt cool. the need to like ratchet up his evilness here mm -hmm. in that way that they do on the show sometimes but Anyway, so him and Mac make a deal. Well, yeah, Mac eventually puts him up against the wall and has his sword to his neck. Right. And it's like, well, I want them freed. And they're literally being led to, like, be shot yeah. at this time. 
Uh, so the deal they make is Mac will not fight this guy unless they're it's the only two of two. them yeah. left. And also he'll let them free, but they will they will also have to give up their land and house. So that's the deal. So they settle on that. Katrina and her family gets free, and then she kind of is a little like ungrateful. Like I don't know, she's like. When she finds out that she has to give up her home, she's like, I'd rather die. And it's like, oh, you are the terrible bourgeoisie. Like, you're awful. Like, I, you were going to be shot. Like, yeah, and your kids. I think the appropriate response to almost being murdered and then realizing all your earthly possessions have been stripped from you, I think the proper response to that is despair. I, I don't know. I, she I, literally like, says, I'd rather be shot. <laughs> and Max just like, all right, never mind. <laughs> like, Come here, Drake. Yeah. Give me your head. Uh, I'm at least sympathetic here. Also, it's like her family's land. Like, yeah. it's it's a rough sitch. Yeah, I guess so. Though Mac gets the last laugh because he uh-huh. took he literally <laughs> took those diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> then he gives them to her and says, "Oh, this is a gift from the proletariat," yep. which I thought was funny. Yeah. And then they gallop off, and they don't gallop off together. So I'm like, what is the nature of their relationship? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. He doesn't go to like help them rebuild. Yeah. Their life. I don't get it. I guess he's got yeah, he to stay and watch after Ivan. Ivan News. Uh, <laughs> so his, did I hear correctly that he's there to train? I think he... Ooh. Or was that a lie? He mentions that to Vaughn. Yeah. So in the next scene, they go to dinner together, I guess. He does show up at this dinner with Drake and Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And I guess she's like, how do you guys know each other? And he was like, I was in Russia to train and met him. I assume that was true. Because also he's just there chopping wood. So he's doing yeah. like Rocky Four style. Yeah, Rocky Four style training. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> Was Ivan his teacher? He's like, let me find this giant bear man to teach me the Russian ways of fighting. Yeah. Of, of chopping being, of, wood. Of, being, <laughs> of chopping wood and being very big. <laughs> In Russia, wood chop you. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Vaughn is implying that Drake committed this murder. And she's like trying to piece the put the pieces together and she's like but it was in an embassy and you're a diplomat so you'd have diplomatic immunity and it's like wait what like no <laughs> like well, also like you don't not- have diplomatic immunity just because you're a diplomat like in your own you don't get like carte blanche immunity for everything even committing crimes against your own people also like wouldn't he have diplomatic immunity from france not from his own country whose president he yeah. killed also if that's her theory why the bait and switch? Like why? Like it's like oh, yeah, you have diplomatic immunity. You could have shot him. Like no, of course no. not. Like that's why he had to get the prostitute to frame because he doesn't have diplomatic immunity because that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of those diplomatic immunity is one of those like magic tropes that gets busted out. Yeah. Oh, you got to tell me. Hey, are you a, are you a diplomat? You know, if you are, you have to tell me. It's the law. <laughs> well, that's the other trope. If you're a police yeah. officer, you have to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least that one like. Police officers want you to think that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So when they so when they go, nope. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so Mac shows up and he orders a bottle of Chateau Lafitte, 1949. Uh, real quick game, guys. How much do you think that bottle costs today? Oh, eight hundred dollars. One thousand sixty. Two thousand two hundred dollars. Holy shit! Right? Yowza! That's a very expensive. Bottle one. Mac loves throwing his money around. <laughs> or I guess he's thinking Drake's paying for it. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, you're buying some. <laughs> I'll have the lobster. <laughs> the cavier. So it's a lot <laughs> of awkward. Co- it's a, this whole scene is really awkward. We don't really get any new information because, no. like, Mac and Drake 
of course, are not letting Vaughn know they're immortal and know each other and have to, you know, like all this stuff. So everything is just like alluded to. And it's just like the whole dinner is super awkward. And then they just leave. It's like, okay, that was a great time. Thanks for coming out. I guess we get like Drake's plan a little more that he's like trying to frame this into starting a war. Like he's trying to get her to write a story that will help further his goal of starting a war right that's something i guess yeah he's definitely wants this conflict to continue yeah this peace treaty i've been to too many funerals yeah (laughs) so outside when they leave the restaurant the old man eli is waiting and he shoots drake and then promptly gets shot by skeletor yeah (laughs) the overlord of evil (laughs) uh so we're in the hospital and eli is there like dying basically and he literally says he's like I cared about my children and my wife. (laughs) (laughs) I died. Oh, is he from Kazakhstan? (laughs) That's so good. Uh, So Mac explains to him that he had to stand by his promise and that he promised a long time ago to protect some other people that he would not interfere with Drake. And we get into some really, this is good David Abramowitz territory here. The guy Eli is like, this is your vanity talking and your pride. He's like, what does your promise mean to him? Drake has no honor or pride or respect. Like, he doesn't care about your promise. You're the only one that cares about the promise. So, let's talk about morality, guys. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so is it okay to break a promise to, like, does the promise need to be essentially honored by both people, both parties? To have it mean anything? Oh, wow. We're really zooming out on this. Um, (laughs) Oh, yes. We we can get closer. We we can zoom in a little further. Um, I feel like there should be a statute of limitations on immortal promises. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. It's like, how how long long am I supposed to keep this fucking promise? What if it's 5,000 years later? You actually did state how long until you're the last two. Yeah. There's an identifiable time time frame on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's only because they specified. Right. I mean, if they didn't, they just, he just said, I promise not to do anything. Like, Right. That's a good point, though. They literally did. They literally counted diamonds and literally stated how long you needed to keep that promise. But I mean, the uh, what were the, the names of the uh, the family Duncan saved? I mean, like they're all long dead. Right. Presumably. So he couldn't like go back and like kill them. Is yeah. that what you're saying? I mean, like, like you know, the promise is upheld insofar as Drakov's end that he didn't hurt that family anymore. Right. So he kept his part. So. Are you saying it's not fair that Duncan would go back on his? No, I'm saying that, you know, there's there's no need to keep the promise anymore. Like, the terms of the, the oh, promise so it's no, have So it's out. no longer convenient, so he well, can... Hmm. So he's, so he's free to kill him. Uh, <laughs> is that where we're going with this? I don't know. This is, this is uh, sticky territory, right? I agree. Also, the level of, like, moral condemnation he heaps on Mac for not killing another person... I think should give us pause because it's also like, what is it a promise? It's a promise not to murder another human being. Like, right. granted, a total scumbag, but this isn't like a benign promise that's having unforeseen consequences. Mm-hmm. This is like, hey, you need to decapitate this man. Yeah. And like to that point, like this is something that Mac would like scold Richie for. He would say like, you need to let go of like your vengeful feelings and like move on or whatever. Well, I think the difference here is that Drake is still the same guy. And we'll, we'll tackle that in an episode later coming up uh, where, yes. oh, right. where one yeah. of the characters kind of, you know, is a new person now. Mm. Uh, so they should yeah. be forgiven. But, like, Drake is not a new person. Like, he's still a monster like he was before. Yeah. This is more like shady Mac moral inconsistency. Well, it's that so Mac has his I own, am- like, code of honor that, like, is immovable. Like, 
but it's not though. Well, he moves. He moves it. Spoiler alert. He moves it here. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go and say I think that's the right call. I know I was kind of alluding to the opposite of that in some of my opinions on this. Well, that being said, I think they this episode presents it as being relatively clear. Mac doesn't put up a real staunch defense of his prior decisions not to kill him. Well, Mac, think, Mac kind of rolls and is just like absolutely killing this guy is the right thing, and it probably is. But well, I think the problem for me with Mac's sense of morality, like I was saying, that like Mac has his own code of honor. And it, like, literally is his own, like, it's his. Like, he doesn't seem to consider other part like, this guy Eli and how many other people have been killed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, his code of honor doesn't exist in a larger world. Like, it's, like, his own personal thing. And so I said this, so it means this, and that's it. Like, it kind of stops and ends with his own opinion. And he doesn't seem to take in other people's feelings or impacts it would have on other people's lives. Like how many well, people he, has he, he? It certainly had a huge effect on those Russian people he saved. Well, yeah. that's true. How many people died so Matt could save four people? Also true. Like in Africa and Bosnia and wherever else. Armenia, apparently. Armenia, yeah. So that's and I, I don't know. That's another discussion. Is it are is one life worth X amount of other lives? I don't know. Mm. Though that also means that he should have let those people die and killed them in the office. Right. Is that the because that's ultimately the position we're carving out here. Yeah, I don't know if that's right or not, but who knows. Other side of the moral calculus. If all, <laughs> if all, no, honestly, if we're willing to expand the conversation far enough into the fields and to, into the realms of uncertainty as to what suffering will be created by allowing this guy to live. He's also the power broker of an entire country that might be flung into chaos by virtue of his being dispatched. So is that also part of Mac's moral consideration here? This is a tough one. This is. Oh, so we should also Mac, get back to... Mac, if you kill this guy, it's going to touch off a currency crisis. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to devalue their country, their currency, and they're not members of the Eurozone. So what, what do we think about the promise thing, though? Because I feel like that's that's the real question I think this episode is wanting to tackle, is how long do you keep a promise? I feel like Drakov himself puts Mac in a position where he couldn't possibly uphold this promise anymore because he's kidnapping that woman. Oh, also, something that happens in this discussion, or maybe it happens, I think, a little later, right before Eli dies. It's kind of glanced over, but he says, promise me that Drake won't kill anyone else. And Mac's like, okay. And so it's like, oh, does his new promise supersede the old like you know what i mean i feel like that was part of this too like mac made a new promise and that's what is like really allowing him to then he says for what it's worth yeah for what it's worth that's yeah. what he says mm. yeah so does that new promise let him act no. differently it's not it's because it's not a new promise with the same person no but again he could have done, like done that logic is that it's own in his own head so he's like oh i made a new promise now i gotta do that one so well, i he can already, he made a decision already to supersede the old one isn't yeah. the fact they made a new promise? I mean, he made a new promise because he considered himself liberated from the old one. Yeah, like that—that that fact is what enables him to make the new promise. It's not like the promise magically supplants the old one. Really, I—I I thought he made that. I don't know if he's liberated himself from the old promise yet. I don't think that happens till later. Like he still doesn't confront Drake yet. No, after Eli, he's like basic. After Eli dies, Max like he's like on a collision course with him. I guess that so. Moment. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Tell us what you think. <laughs> Derp. Um. Guys, how do you feel about bloopers? I love them. Yeah? Do you love it so much that you wish there was not just a blooper reel one, but a blooper reel two? No. That's like right. Like blooper reels? 
Blooper for real, for real. <laughs> this is Blooper Real II. Oh. And it says, twice as long as the original, Bloopers 2 includes a whole set of the fifth season behind the scenes screw-ups, blunders, mangled dialogue, sophomoric pranks, expletive-ridden mishaps, and risque remarks. Ooh. Oh. All appropriately set to the hilariously lame theme song parody, Macnanza? I don't remember that what? at all. Already a classic. This is guaranteed audience slayer. <laughs> also, care to guess what the picture on the front is? Uh, Duncan in a dress. Oh, it's totally Mac in a dress. Yes. <laughs> and he appears to be saying, because it's in a dialogue box, Highlander bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have Bob Saget, like, narrating the bloopers? I vaguely remember this. I think it is on one of the DVDs now, so we'll, we'll end up posting this I at have some the point. first blooper tape. Do you really? Yeah. How much does this cost? Pretty reasonably priced. I'm going to guess $6. $9.99. Ooh. I'm going to give this one to Eamon because we didn't specify prices right rules. It is $9.95. Oh. Nice. Yeah, that's not that bad. But it yeah. doesn't it actually say how long it is, though. The, it informs you that it's twice, twice as long as the other one. So the, it might the, be 15 minutes. Yeah, the blooper one tape is, I think, like 15 minutes. Wow. I don't even think it's a half hour. I could be wrong. Well, blooper real eye is Ooh. also $9.95. Interesting. <laughs> Can you, I mean, this is just one, a testament to the power of, like, their merchandising. Like, yeah. In today's day and age, like, can you imagine buying a blooper reel? Like, this is stuff that would be like YouTube content or free on, free on a DVD or something like. Yeah, how many th- you would you never honestly, pay, you would never pay for this. How many right. of these things you honestly think they moved? The bloopers? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I have a hard because I have a hard time picturing it in 1999. I guess I could yeah. see that coming for free with like the box set of the series. Yes, I could see that. Yeah, because they're charging oldie. like 150 bucks for those things. Yeah, ye olde special features. Yeah. And like how many tapes is a box set? It's a lot of tapes. It's like eight or nine tapes, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how many episodes can, how many 45-minute episodes can you fit on a cassette? I think it's two. Damn. That is this a is lot. your 13th VHS set. <laughs> <laughs> ah, very good. Get yours today. <laughs> That's how you end an ad. Yeah. <laughs> Now we get a nice Jewish funeral that's in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. While Mac and Drake chat. We should play this clip. Yeah, this is a good clip. All right, let's talk about it. You murdered his wife and children. I had a plan. They were one of the details. They weren't details, Drake. They were people. What's your point? My point is they had a right to live. (laughs) They have nothing. This is our world, and we are its masters. You're wrong. We should be its teachers. They build the civilizations, they make the history, while we live in the shadows killing each other. What have you ever created? Except chaos and death. Maybe I'm not perfect. British accent. But I'm good at my job. Watching it all come crashing down? Sooner than you think. You're a totally evil bastard, aren't you? I'm an immortal, MacLeod, like you. You're not like me. Suit yourself can't agree on everything <laughs> i like like his 
character in this scene. Like, he's so weaselly and like I don't he's know. Like, oh well, maybe I'm not perfect. And he's like <laughs> pouting the whole time. Like he has a pout on his face. Drake this whole scene. He's like kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe I'm not perfect. It's weird, but I liked it. I find his character to be not that threatening personally. Like I, I just I don't know if it's the actor. He does seem like a little mousy and just like weaselly. Not, not even. Like to I feel like just, this he's so matter of fact. I think yeah. that's like, yeah. I think that was a deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. He it's not malice. He's not like a slam the cat kind of person. He's like not getting any personal pleasure out of this. Mm. He's just very like this is our world. This is what we do. I survive on chaos. I'm going to create it. Case closed. Like I didn't I don't I feel nothing about these people. They were just kind of in the way. Now they're gone. Yeah. Next. Yeah. He reminds me of Kyler a little bit cuz he's like I'm good at this. Like yeah. he takes a lot of pride in being good at, like, being a psychopathic maniac. <laughs> it's interesting to hear Mac, Mac's views on mortals that we're just kind of living in the world that they create. Yeah. That is interesting. And also his kind of fatalistic view of his role in life as an immortal. Like, he kind of rags on this guy for, like, what have you ever built? Like, what have you created? But when, when Mac kind of makes his own affirmative stance on something, he doesn't say, like, our role is to build things. He's like, our role is to be in the shadows and murder each other. Yeah. Right. But then he also says we should be teachers. Yeah. That's another thing they can do from the shadows. Like, that's something that's kind of interesting about Darius. Like, what's Darius's impact on the world? Darius taught other mortals and immortals. Like, he had his own... He wasn't the one out there in the shadows because he had Victor Paulus out there. Right. Taking the Paulus of the Earth. Um, <laughs> good talk. Yeah, I like this scene. It's good. And also, I think it keeps coming up, like, the... The biggest dichotomy I think the show draws between like ma- like the good guys and the bad guys is the treatment of mortals. Like the disregard Drake has for mortals. Like Xavier had it too. They they don't matter. Like they're dispensable. That I think is the big difference between Mac and most of the the villains in this show. Yeah, that's definitely true. Anyway, we're back on the barge in a scene that's completely cut in the US version for good reason cuz it doesn't do anything. Uh Maurice and Mac are hanging out. And Max says he's sad because a friend is dying, which is Eli. And Maurice... Who are, who are their best friends now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Maurice... My best friend, the assassin, got killed trying to assassinate a guy, and now I'm real sad about it. <laughs> Who told me to go to hell in yeah. a scene before. Only, only Max's true friends tell him to go fuck himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Maurice goes on a whole diatribe about... He's like, drink wine! Yeah, yeah. live life! Uh, I, I want to like this scene more than I do. Ultimately, it accomplishes nothing, which is why it's cut. I wish they had Maurice play a more pivotal role in Max's storyline uh like i know david abramowitz said he was hoping that if darius the actor Werner soccer had lived that he wanted mac to go kind of get darker and that darius would like be able to bring him back out of that mm-hmm. and i kind of wish that that's what maurice could do like i i agree i agree with all the sentiments maurice says especially the wine stuff he's like drink wine it's like yeah buddy right <laughs> uh but he's like he talks about like living in the moment and this sort of, you know, yeah. and I feel like having Maurice as a, a nice foil to maybe a darker Mac in this season where like Mac is getting tired of the game and he's lost tests and he's like he's constantly losing people and maybe he's not seeing the value in life. Like, what has he accomplished over the years? And maybe Maurice is like, no, it's like, you know, 400 years or two days, like one day, like live it to the fullest. And it's like, you know, I, I feel like there's something that's here that is just kind of stated and it doesn't have an impact on the story or really even this plot like. But I think this this could be good in a different context. Maurice, That's my though, point. doesn't want to live forever. At least he didn't say, I don't want to live for 400 years yeah. like Delaney. I'm like, ugh. 
I don't want to live, coincidentally, the exact amount of time you lived. So, Eli dies in the hospital. <laughs> uh, Mac, speaking of people who don't live forever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mac, I guess, shows him a picture of his family, yeah. and then Eli dies. And this is when Eli's like, you promised me he won't kill again. Yeah. And he's like, for what it's worth, sure. And that's that. And meanwhile, Beth is kidnapped right, by, by Drakov. Yeah. Who, by Monster Mash. That's by, uh, right. <laughs> Monster Mash? Yeah. This guy's terrifying looking. <laughs> yeah. He really does look like his like all his skin has been like suctioned onto his bones. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so she gets kidnapped and is taken to like the basement of the embassy. Yeah, and this is a very big embassy, by the way. Like this is like Wayne Manor, huge. Yeah, the the Mexican embassy in Philadelphia is in the Bourse, and it's like it is. Like, I didn't know. Yeah, that. it's like one floor. It's probably like a couple offices. Yeah, right? yeah. it's like a couple offices. Yeah, but this embassy, this it's is like a big. mansion. I don't know anything about embassies. Well, I mean, it's also Philadelphia. It's not like going to be like the main office. Whereas sure. I'm well, sure I've, I've walked by plenty of embassies in like D.C. and like there are nice buildings, but this is like this is a crazy big building. It is quite large, especially it, for like Parmesan standards. Yeah. It's it's good to be the Drake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she's like all tied up, and Drake says he wants her for insurance. And I was a little confused about what he meant. I by think that. it's against Mac. I think he's right. like Mac is like waffling on this. So I'm going to protect myself. That's how I read it. Yeah, which I think it has the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does. Like yeah, He think... probably could have gotten out of the country if he didn't take her. Yeah, or just, a, or just Mac might not have been that motivated. Yeah. <laughs> right. So his plan, I guess, he's going to, the, the vice president has arrived, and he's going to arrest the VP on conspiracy charges. Right? Yeah. Because the VP also wants to sign this treaty. He wants yeah. to follow the president's lead. And mm. end this war with wherever Beninistan. Yeah. <laughs> so then we cut to the roof, and yeah, Bat Mac is up there. Yeah. I love Bat Mac. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, I guess, grabs Monster Mash, and he's like, <laughs> "Where did they go?" He's like, "It's a graveyard smash." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what he does because there, he literally <laughs> graveyard smashes yeah. Monster Mash in the face because he's like, "I have diplomatic immunity." It's like, "Not from me." So graveyard smash. Die Hard Two with Mac. <laughs> Monster Mash tells him where Drake is. He's at the airfield or whatever. Mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon Two. Did I say Die Hard? Yeah. Shit. I the worst Die Hard weapon. movie. <laughs> yeah. That's the one in the airport, right? Die Hard 2? Yeah. I don't remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. So we're at the airfield, and I somehow tr- Mac gets there before Drake. That doesn't make any sense. Also, did, I was trying to figure out what the... I don't know my flags. I'm very ignorant. There were flags on the limo. Oh. It was like a blue cross, and I meant to look it up, and I didn't do it. Blue cross? I missed that entirely. Is that like Sweden? Yeah, I don't know. Are like blue and white? It was it was blue and white. The flags on the limo. Greece is blue and white, but hmm, mm, Greece is the word. <laughs> this is completely unrelated. I saw a guy with a shirt the other day that just was a giant Union Jack, like the you know the British flag, and underneath it, it just said Greece. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying. That's pretty funny. Hey, 
rewatchers, Keith here. If you haven't already, make sure to head on over to iTunes and leave the Highlander podcast a nice five-star review. Those reviews actually help our podcast get in front of more avid Highlander fans and introduce this great series to people that might be interested in sci-fi, fantasy, adventure. Um, so make sure to tell all your friends about us and give us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Also, head on over to our GoFundMe page, and we are funding our trip to the 30th anniversary convention in Lakeland, Florida. Um, we put a ton of work into this show and anything you could kind of do to support us would be really appreciated and help us bring you more awesome Highlander content right from the floor of the convention. We're going to be doing live podcasting, a live show, all sorts of really cool stuff. Thanks for your support. Back to the show. Yeah, yeah. So Matt confronts Drake here, like yeah. in a hanger, like they, they've drugged Vaughn. Taking they're her like, on the plane. They're dragging her on the plane. And so Drake goes into the hangar to like meet yeah. up with Mac. He's like, I'll be back. Like, I gotta take care of this like personal stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I guess Mac does kind of give some reasoning to why he lets go of the promise. And it, it would seem that it's it is kind of something to do with his vanity or something like Drake accuses him of, Well, what about your honor? Yeah. And Mac is like, Well, my honor is not as precious as the lives you killed. So there's definitely like I think Mac is putting some blame on himself for like holding to this code, even though it's hurting other people. Yeah, well, I also think that he's also correct. Like breaking a promise is an objectively bad thing to do, and it's like you just have to eat it. It's like I have to do this negative thing, mm-hmm. yeah, and accept whatever moral consequences come with that. And I'm also going to do this other thing that's maybe worthwhile for other reasons, and like that moral cost is just one of the costs you pay to do that thing. Yeah. But also I think it's important to like recognize like why do we make promises? When you break a promise, you hurt someone else by making the promise. Like by breaking it. Excuse me. Who does Duncan hurt by breaking the promise? The concept of promising. It, exactly. The, like, like, it's, the, it's, the social fabric that's based around people keeping their word. I guess so. Yeah. But I mean it's like it's this is not some big public promise. This is it's just between him and another guy who's scum. And right. it's like by breaking this promise, the only person he hurts is the murderer who's hurting a lot of people. So I give him some good leeway to break this promise. But would you will that as a maxim for action in all cases, that it's okay to break your promises if it's inconvenient or, in your individual judgment, the benefits of breaking the promise outweigh the costs? Well, that's a big problem with those maxims because you end up that whole needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few become a tricky moral. Mm. Mm. I subscribe Mm. to Maxim Magazine. (laughs) So, I don't know why Drake just doesn't get on the plane and leave. Yeah. Because that's an option. Yep. Just, just fly away. Get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no need to deal with any of this. Yeah. Uh, but they go and have a sword fight. There's also just the fact that he might think he can win. Yeah. That's, yeah, I guess you know, so. we're, like, Mac isn't the only one who's in the game. That's like, true. Looking at Drake and looking at Mac, I was just kind of like, you really think you could take Mac, Drake? (laughs) He does a pretty good job. He does. He does. Like, this is like this fight seems pretty threatening. Mac has some rough moments in it. Yeah. I also want to say that, like, Drake's insurance policy, which is Vaughn being drugged and taken on the plane, like, he points that out to Mac. And Mac is like, shrug. And it's like, Mac, like, you're, yeah. I don't know. He doesn't seem to care. No. Well, I think that's the position. He's not going to be blackmailed again. Ah, with Drake's, right. I think that's the the parallel here. He had he was faced with a similar choice before. Yeah. Some person who I kind of, I need to stop this very bad person who has someone I care about. He didn't make the call in the past. He's willing to call his bluff 
effectively this time, you know, see what happens. Mm. So in some ways, I mean, it is a little cold. Like he does. I, and in my mind, he made a decision to sacrifice her if it meant stopping Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I also assume his plan, since she works for what, the European Observer, he's just mm-hmm. like, I'll just take over her beat. I'll write the next story. I've done it before. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He needs a job. <laughs> now that Rowdy Roddy Piper is. <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. something Drake's sword, right when they're about to fight, he just like really casually like pulls it out of his jacket and he's like holding it by one hilt, like really lightly. Like, this thing doesn't look heavy at all. It, like, took me out of the scene. He's just, like, pawing it around. Like, it's obviously a fake sword. But, like, the way he was throwing it back and forth, I was like, this thing looks really fake. (laughs) Uh, But this is a fun fight scene, I think. Yeah. It's got some good choreography. I feel like the choreography in the past couple episodes and moving forward are all, like, it's pretty solid. Like, they're really big fights, I feel like. Like, they're wild and... They seem, I don't want to say frantic, but... Frantic's not a bad word for this one. No. Like, it's fast, and, like, there's a lot of, like, panicked movements where yeah. people, yeah. like, get trapped up against a plane and have to mm. scramble. Yeah. But I feel like some of the older fight scenes were, like, maybe some small sword movements. Like, people are, like, really swinging the swords. Like, yeah. And I think it looks really cool. It uh, does. Yeah. Yeah, Mac gets disarmed, but then he pulls it out. And... No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mac wins. Yeah. Um, although, like... I feel they don't show any of this, right? Like it just cuts outside. It's a little unclear that Mac is one. Yeah, that's I think what like, they're doing. There's like this yeah. great slow mo thing. I don't know if great's the right word, but like they <laughs> swing and like Mac does this slow mo dive over the sword and Yeah. Anyway, then you end up cutting to outside the hangar, the quickening happens, and Maxter of disguise comes out. <laughs> And he's not dressed as a turtle or a racist caricature. He is dressed as Drake with the power of a hat and a coat. Yep. Yeah. And like hunching. <laughs> hunching. Uh, so he goes up on the plane. And, <laughs> and hunching. Yeah. And he beats up the goons, like kind of off camera. and takes. He beats up these goons comedically fast yes. and like throws one out of the plane. This is like a like Popeye cartoon. He steps in the plane and immediately like throws one guy out and beats <laughs> the other guy up. It's like two seconds. Yeah. Also, he, he, ha- he just ate his spinach. Yeah. So the denouement of this episode is amazing. So, so they're on the barge, him and Vaughn. They're looking at the European Observer newspaper, and the headline says, Peace Accord Signed, colon, Security Advisor Drake Missing. <laughs> First, I have some thoughts on that. So he's missing. There was a pilot who was there who Mac was like, the flight's been canceled. Like, clearly, this I think this pilot has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, like he is a hired pilot to fly this plane or whatever. So he's there. The two goons. I'm assuming Duncan didn't murder them, but they're there. Uh, there is a dead body. Uh, the vice president is a lot. Like I don't know. Like nobody found Drake. Did Duncan rescue Vaughn? Put her in the car and then like go get Drake's body and like dispose of it somewhere? We're doing that thing where we press on this too hard. <laughs> right. Why just? Why even say Drake missing? And yeah. it's all because the newspaper said he's missing instead of just dead or nothing. Yeah, but if it said Drake dead, we'd be like, whoa, Drake's <laughs> been decapitated. <laughs> what do you mean dead? Mac's so <laughs> fucked because this pilot man saw him. <laughs> Way to burn us. <laughs> yeah, I know. He would be doing, they burned me. Um, so then Mac 
Vaughn Vaughn is upset. She's like, I'm just bummed that Drake got away. Yeah. Or like, you know, I hope he gets what's coming to him. And then Mac is like, I think he already did. Yeah, perhaps he has gotten what's coming to him. And like they giggle. And the implication is that Mac fucking (laughs) murdered him. And then that's like, oh, I'm turned on by that. And then she's like, oh, well, when do I get to to know know you? you? And he's like, you already do know me. And she's like, no, no, no. In like she the, literally says, like, no, in, in the, the biblical, biblical sense. Like, sense. Do I have to spell this out for you, buddy? Like, it's time to go down to the bone zone. Yeah, and they start making out. All right, so <laughs> I know Tyr just says Tess who, <laughs> <laughs> because in yeah. Unholy Alliance they made it seem like Tess was this real specter hanging yeah. over yep. his relationship with people, and he's just immediately like, okay. Or is Mac just repressed, like repressed, depressed, and just trying to bang his way through it? Here's, like, you know, if I just so this is going to be my like probably somewhat offensive male gazy comment of the episode. Okay, we have Delaney in the last episode and Beth in this episode. I personally find Delaney to be like a pretty attractive woman, and then Beth not so much. <laughs> oh boy! And I'm like, really, you're picking her over Delaney? Well, here's who the, also like really well, liked you. Here's the they event. both mean nothing to him, so yeah, it's a little true. irrelevant. They're not in a competition; they're just serially occurring. I know <laughs> they're kinda... both fine-looking humans. Yes, they are. They are. I, I just if I was in Max's position, I would have. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you'd also be a six foot three British dancer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If I was With a six, six foot, foot three, three British, British dancer, dancer, I would. A mortal of 400 years who has women <laughs> constantly throwing himself yeah. at me. I might make a series of different choices. <laughs> I might but. offer them some coffee. Why don't we take a listen from David Abramowitz on his thoughts on this episode. Yeah, yeah. Warmonger was uh, an interesting episode for me and one that was very personal. We named the, the victim, the sympathetic victim in the, in the show, uh, the guest star, Eli Jarmel. He was a very heroic character who died fighting for what he believed. Eli Jarmel was my wife's father. He died when he was 46. He was a lawyer on Bobby Kennedy's Civil Rights Commission and was a great man. I thought we would create a character to honor his name. Eli Jarmel in this episode, I believe, does injustice. Warmonger was another one of those episodes that had a, basically a Talmudic question in it, which was, um, how long do you have to keep a promise? How valid is that promise to someone who is evil? McLeod was forced to uh, break a promise something a man of honor would, is loath to do. Elar Jarmel, our victim who's dying, turns to him when McLeod speaks of his, uh, of his promise and looks him right in the eye and says, this is not honor dealing with this man, dealing with this promise. This is your vanity. Um, this was a recurring theme through a lot of the work that I did and a lot of the work that I do. And it's a line that I've stolen and used in a lot of episodes in the, in the present. So um, I hope Bill and Peter will forgive me for it. <laughs> So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he really does hang a lantern on some of the quandaries that are presented in this episode, and they are good. I don't want to take away from them in any way. Yeah. All right, guys. It's that time of the show. It's game time. It's time to play Keyword, the game where we take a look at the IMDb keywords for episodes in the Highlander series and try to guess what episode it is. So... I'm going to read a series of keywords to Kyle and Eamon, and uh, you get points based on which one you guess, or how quickly you can guess them. So if you guess it on the less relevant keywords, you get more points than right. the one that basically spells out what episode it is. You guys ready to play? Booyah. Booyah. All right. 
and just shout out the name of the episode when you think of it. Round one. 1630s. 17th century. Italy. Sword and sorcery. Cryptic drawing. Tattoo. The Watchers? Is that it? The Hunters? Correct. Ugh. Cryptic yeah, right. drawings. I, I got like one point. One that. point. Cryptic drawings. What am I forgetting from that? Also, the, where's the, the tattoo? I think the tattoo is a cryptic drawing. Uh, oh. And what's the Italy bit? Mamma Mia. Oh, in the flashback, uh, him and Hugh see the they get in a fight in. Oh. Uh, yeah, good keywords on this one, IMDb. Yowza. Boo. <laughs> All right. I suck at these games. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Round two. Here we go. Thunderbird convertible. Ugh. Shower. Under color of authority. Saber. No. Oh. Glass cutter. Glass cutter. Mask. The gathering. Yes. Uh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Correct. Glass cutter. Glass cutter. Yeah. What's the shower? When Tess. <laughs> Tess the <laughs> yeah. shower. <laughs> We're getting smoked on this one. Is All it right, one no, to one right now? I was like, what? Not under color of authority? How many points was that? Five points. Ooh. That was five. How many keywords were there for that one? There was ten in this one. Yo, hold on. The entire system is still broken. It's not we broken. We discussed this They already. even out. They even out. There's different points. No, it's, 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 it's all good. <laughs> that, is, that is not the way this works. Well, <laughs> the stakes are high, Kyle. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not in your favor. Here we go. Uh, so the other keywords in that episode after female... Uh, excuse me. What was the last one you got? Oh, mask, right? Yeah. Uh, female nudity. That's <laughs> a keyword. Glass block wall. What? Uh, cousin cousin relationship. <laughs> uh, how many how American many... Indian? Wait, is, is, is that supposed to mean that Mac and Connor are cousins? Because that's false. Yeah. <laughs> and one uh, break in. Uh, so the cousin cousin relationship that just led me to like look up. It's like oh, what other movies have yeah. cousin cousin relationships? <laughs> Uh, we've got Arrested Development, The Wedding mm. Singer, Lord of the Rings, Green Room, Lord of the Rings, Twin Peaks, Mean Girls, Pride and Prejudice. Like, there's a whole list of wow movies that have cousin cousin relationships. If that's what you're into, <laughs> and those are some heavy hitters. Yeah, <laughs> search that hashtag. <laughs> yeah, this week's episode brought to you by the hashtag cousin cousin relationship. Finally, you Just... can win, Kyle. Uh, maybe we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Round three. 1860s, Ugh. 19th century, duel, collateral damage. Oh fuck! Um, Accidental murder. Oh, God damn it! I know this episode. Um, Innocent oh. bystander. Fuck! It's it's talking talking about Nelly. Um, Jealous Bessie boyfriend. the cow. Um, what is this episode? Annapolis, Maryland. God damn it! Oh. I can picture this episode so clearly, and I can't remember. It's like it the is. rolling in the hay. Yeah, that's it, a that's the scene we're talking about. But what is the what is the oh, episode? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a, it's 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 if neither of us can remember this, we're done. Uh, Isn't it the one with Roddy Roddy Piper? My lips are sealed. What is that called? Oh, Epitaph for Tommy. Hey, hey, hey nice oh done. my god. All right, well, you earned it for that last one. There we go. Five that was to one six, point. Six to one. Yeah. <laughs> that was one point, yep. I think these points are like, this game is rigged. Well, yeah. they might the be. The game is rigged. But... Hey, 
I just read the read the words. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't invite the invent the game, everybody. Um, oh, oh, you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Thanks for playing. Keyword. Appetite for time. Nicely done, Eamon. Yep. I like how early we both knew what episode it was, but couldn't summon it. Remember it. I like the Bessie the cow. Yeah, <laughs> remember, remembering jokes we made in the yeah. episode, but I, not the title. I want to know like how angry the listeners are that we can't remember the name <laughs> remember of the, the episode. I, I can't remember episode titles from like th- three episodes ago. Yeah. Ugh, actually, it's Unholy Alliance Part Two, you nerds. <laughs> what's uh, up, my nerds? So, what do you guys think in general of what's the name of this episode? <laughs> Warmonger. Warmonger. That's it. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, I think it's it's solid. There's I give this episode a solid B. Yeah. I'm I'm into it. It raises some interesting questions. There's there's a lot to like here. I don't think it nails the execution on things as well as some of like the truly top tier episodes, but I think it's very good. Part of me wishes that more of this episode was a flashback. Yeah, like the flashback uh, is quality. It's too. quality. Also, I'd almost prefer like double flashbacks in this episode, like nothing in the present. Like part of me wishes we still had all that kind of Russian Revolution stuff that was going on, but maybe the the bulk of the episode took place during World War II. I find Drake a more believable character in that setting and less in present day, like Parmistan. I don't know. Like, part of me wishes there was an actual war going on that we got to see and could identify uh, with. Yeah, and like Duncan was taking part of it in some way, and it was like you know he's he's still participating, but can't participate in this one particular way, which is to get Drake. That would have been cool. That yeah. would be interesting. Any final thoughts on this episode, Eamon? I really liked Drake's character in the scene where they're in the cemetery, and I wish a little bit more of that came through in the other scenes. Like, I really liked that scene, and he had some character in that scene, or he's like, you know, has a personality, I guess is what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. I am history. That's right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Kyle, how many subscriptions to the European Observer would you give this episode out of five? Out of five? Yeah. I would give it four. Four out of five from Kyle. Eamon, how many tickets to the ballet would you give this out of five? I'd give it two. One for me and one for my friend who cancels on me. <laughs> I would give this episode, I think, a four. This is a solid yeah, episode a for four. me. Yeah. So you liked it half as much as we did, or was that just for a bit? That was just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a solid episode. When they have these good questions, I think that's... Yeah. Which I didn't really think about as much until you guys brought it up. So uh, I think you guys might have turned me around on the episode a little bit. Mm. Yeah, we're great. No. no problem. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this episode. And we can't wait to talk about next week's, which is Pharaoh's Daughter. I really can't wait. <laughs> also, it's actually about the grain Pharaoh. Not yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's good. <laughs> Green. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Layman. Uh, episode five: An Eye for an Eye. Nothing, right? Which one was that again? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I typed this up a long time ago. What was in An Eye for an Eye? What was that episode? What was that episode even <laughs> about? <laughs> All I'm thinking of is I have behold I have the beholder. That's not it. I know. I don't remember what this one was. Holy yeah. shit. shit. We are the worst. Hold we on. are the worst. We are the worst. Isn't that a song? We are the world. Well, that's we are the world. You uh, just need every oh. personality from the eighties to sing it. Of course. Of course. That <sighs>
We we need to edit out the part where we don't know what the episode is. Yeah.